And good afternoon, everybody. Good evening, or whenever you listen to this. This is Matt here, along with Dina, and this is another episode of the Conquest Chronicles podcast. And um, NFL Draft is coming up soon. What, what, it comes on tomorrow? It does. It starts tomorrow. It, it, It starts tomorrow. As of record time, it starts tomorrow, and quite um got quite a few really to reach on. Actually, things are starting to come out. You're starting to hear about trade. You're starting to hear about who's going to go where, smoke screen, all that good stuff. So, um, as of now, we're not projecting any USC Trojans to be taking in the first round this year. Um, granted, when you go five and seven. That happens, but um, we're but could be some interesting names taken. We'll talk about potential uh, USC players that could be taken, uh, where they could be taken, how long they'll be waiting, good stuff like that. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also talk about the uh, the Matt Fink situation. Matt Fink uh, trans is, is planning on entering the transfer portal or is in the transfer portal right now. What will that mean for USC's QB situation? Also, we'll touch on, um, we'll also touch on some, how, how can I put it? Um, we'll touch on the USC Reggie Bush saga that, which has been never ending for the last not 13 to nine years or nine to 13 years. Um, we're going to get into that also, but Dina. Going to have to ask you how are you doing? I know you uh, went mountain climbing just a few, just an hour ago, over an hour to two hours ago. Yeah, I went on a hike. It was pretty good. It's hot out there. Oh, it's hot out here too. Trust me. Four point two nine miles. I usually do six, but my foot is a mess right now, so stuck with four. What's wrong with your foot? Like the the ball of my foot has like a blister on it for like the past week. Oh, uh, I thought it was like a muscle or a bone problem, or <laughs> you suffer from little feet syndrome. I don't know. <laughs> I I one of those things could happen. Who knows? Um, but in case nobody notices, uh, Dina goes on hikes. And nine times out of ten, she's climbing a mountain. So <laughs> you're wondering what partner I have. She goes hiking. She climbs mountains. She goes to USC football games. And she's on the podcast with me on top of our site manager. So <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> she does it all. She does it all. But we'll jump into a little bit of the NFL draft. As we know, tomorrow it, it, it kicks off. Uh, first round's on Thursday, second round's on Friday, and then we go into the rest of the rounds on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and really not too much been has been going on. I mean, this is around the time when you really start seeing smoke screens or Teams throwing out, oh, we're not, we're, we don't know who we're going to take with the number one pick. And right now, it centers around current, uh, Arizona, current Arizona Cardinals head coach and former USC offensive coordinator for all of 30 days, Cliff Kingsbury. 
Um, recently, he said they have no clue who they're going to take with the number one pick. And a lot of uh, – there's been reports saying that the that the uh, Cardinals could take Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. They can take Quinn Williams out of Alabama. Um, at this rate, it could go either way. I mean, potentially – there, and right now, the whole talk is Arizona's going to go with Kyler Murray, which means what does that mean for Josh Rosen, uh, former UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen? Um, I, I don't know what to expect in this draft. Me, as an Oakland Raiders fan, Raiders have three picks in the first round. I'm just praying they don't screw it up, <laughs> which is going to be very hard for them to do. I, I, this is the first time I can sit there and say I think this is very hard to do for them for them to screw up the first round. But Dana, what what are your thoughts on going into the uh, NFL draft this uh, uh, going into the NFL draft this coming weekend? Like, what are your thoughts on it? What do you think is going to happen? What are your overall feeling? I think that. Cliff Kingsbury, there's no way he's not going to want his own guy. I mean, as a former quarterback himself, I think he wants to handpick the guy who he's going to build this team with. And I think was it before he was even an NFL coach, he had all that praise about Kyler Murray. Yes. He was at Texas Tech, and he was praising the mess out of Kyler Murray. So I think he's taking Kyler. You know what? I think they're going to take Kyler Murray, too. I can see that. I, I just don't see how they don't take him. And a lot of people are asking, well, what does this mean for Josh Rosen? Because Josh Rosen was just drafted last year by Arizona. But when you change coaches, and coaches have their own philosophy of how they want to do things, it changes things. You know, coming in, he's like, well, he may be thinking, I want my own guy who wants to run my system. His system, or Kyler Murray ran his system in at OU. Josh Rosen ran about maybe five, six different systems at UCLA. No, more like three. More like three, because UCLA, UCLA changed offensive coordinators a lot. But um, he ran... Josh Rosen, I think, can run his system, but the he can't run it to the way can't run it the way Kyler Murray could run it. If everybody don't know what I mean by that, it here's a here's a prime example. Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech. Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech ran ran um Kingsbury system and done it did some amazing things and look how he is now in uh kansas city the the closest thing that he can emulate or the closest thing that you got to emulate patrick mahomes is kyler murray and you know arizona's o-line last year was atrocious so at least he can run i know know i'm sure that run for his life besides this their first pick they're gonna I'd love to get some O-line guys because, dear God. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's right. I think that's what they will, what they will do. 
But yeah, I think I don't really. It's not like last year where it was between Darnold, Allen. It was really between Darnold and Allen for a long time. Who was going number one? Who was going number one? Every week it was someone saying Darnold. Every week it was then it switched would switch to Allen, and then at the last so you didn't really there wasn't really a combined mindset of we're going to pick this one guy, this guy's going number one until the day of the draft and then the Baker Mayfield thing dropped. But I think every mock draft I've seen and every prediction, it usually has Kyler going number one. Yeah, and I mean, the way I put it, honestly, the way I honestly, uh, how can I put this? The way I honestly think this should go is with with the the Cardinals. If you're gonna do that, if this is gonna be look, Kyler Murray is our guy. If that's what Cliff Kingsbury want to do, especially for his offense, then by all means do it. But now, what do we do with now with Arizona? It's like, what do you do with with Josh Rosen? Because Josh Rosen started last year, but was Josh Rosen really given a fair shake after last year? It was his rookie year. Then you go, you fire the coach, which you just hired the guy. You fire, you fire the coach. Then you bring in a guy who never coached in the NFL, played in the NFL, but never coached in the NFL. Poach him away from USC, which I'm still mad about. <laughs> To hire him, and, and he's gonna bring in his own guy. So with Rosen, it's like, what do you do if you're Arizona? What do you do with Rosen? Do you um like, do you trade him? Do you let him compete for the spot before you trade him? Like, what do you do? Because you got to do something with him. And I think it's it's ultimately fair. And, and then again, the NFL, there's no such thing as fair. But I think it's ultimately fair, and it's the smart thing to do. Let Josh Rosen compete. Because you're putting all your eggs in one basket with Kyler Murray. What right. if Kyler Murray is not the guy you expect him to be? What if I he's think, not what if I he's think not they're going to trade him. I think they're going to trade him for for some picks or, you know, I think they're going to trade him for some picks, and then I think they're going to go and get, someone who can back up Kyler, like either a veteran guy, bringing a vet, bring in a veteran guy or get like a late round quarterback, like a guy at a North Carolina state. Well, Ryan Finley, is that his name? Yeah. Well, well, here's my thing about that too. And I keep going back to Patrick Mahomes because this is the, this is the comparison that we make. Patrick Mahomes sat, I think a year or two. He sat, no, he sat two years, I believe. Patrick Mahomes, did he sit two years? No, he sat a year, actually. Excuse me, because I remember when he got there. He sat a year before he got he took, got the spot. Patrick Mahomes sat one year. Alex Smith was the starting quarterback. But Alex Smith was going into a situation where he was about to be a free agent soon. Right. Washington traded for him. Insert Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has the year that he has because they adjusted the offense to Patrick Mahomes. 
So, Kyler Murray, I don't know how to put it with Kyler Murray. It's like everyone, and professional sports is such a copycat league. Sports in general is such a copycat thing. Because the moment somebody does one thing and they have tremendous success with it, everybody tries to do the same thing. Everyone tries to do the same thing. Dita and I talked about the Monday night game on this podcast probably months ago. And I mentioned the Dina. Between the, the Rams and the, the Chiefs, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the Monday night know. game between the Monday night game between the Rams and the Chiefs, the one that was supposed to be in Mexico City that right. ended up being at the Coliseum and ended up lighting up the scoreboard more than the USC football game the past six home games. Yes, that's a that's a jab at USC right now. <laughs> I told Dina, I told her this off podcast too, and I've probably told Dina this maybe eight different times. Everybody is going to try to find the next offensive guru. They're trying to find the next Sean McVay. But what if Kingsbury, or not Kingsbury, but I said, I told her, I was like, what if, what if the Rams fall face plant in the NFL playoffs? What if they face plant? And they didn't face plant in the Super Bowl, but they didn't do what many expected them to do. But the thing a lot of people miss with that is that defense became a big thing. Defense became was a huge thing in the playoffs. The Rams at least have a defense to back up what was going on. The Monday night game, that was just a showcase of two offenses. But that don't happen in the NFL every day. That doesn't happen in the NFL like that. They're starting to make more rules to where it tries to be. But that's not the NFL like that. Everyone is trying to find the next off, the next Sean McVay, a young offensive guru who can light up the scoreboard. Cliff Kingsbury is now, quote unquote, the Sean McVay. And where they hired him, they hired him. And now you're looking to find the next Pat Mahomes, a.k.a. you have Kyler Murray. What if that doesn't work? Just keep that in mind. If this doesn't work, are people going to go, well, Cliff Kingsbury wasn't the guy and they're going to keep looking? Or maybe they're going to forget the misconception of, why there's a Sean McVay and all that stuff. Because Sean McVay is not just an offensive guru. Sean McVay been around the NFL for a while. Right. Cliff Kingsbury's been in the NFL as a player. And that's that. But uh but anyway, moving off of the Arizona Cardinals, because we can go on and on with that. Uh for USC guys, as we mentioned Earlier, no USC players gonna go in the first round. Any any mock draft that you read, you don't see a USC player, though they will be drafted. Um, you have Porter Gustin, you have Cam Smith, you have Iman Marshall, Chuma Odega, um, guys like that who are most likely going to get drafted. And then you'll have guys who here and there may get drafted. You know who may end up getting drafted and and stuff like that, 
But the news with Porter Gustin right now is that Porter Gustin allegedly or apparently failed a drug test for PEDs, which was, um, according to his agent, it was an Adderall that he took. Uh, it, it was an Adderall that he took. And as you know, when you get tested for PEDs and that information comes out, you tend to fall on draft boards. But... Stuff like that is supposedly supposed to be confidential, and this is where leaks start to come out and you start hearing stuff. Um, what are your thoughts on on Porter Gustin's situation right now? I mean, it's I don't think it's anything. I know the media is going to spin it like this, but it's not a negative thing. He was taking Adderall what because of his ankle to get him ready for the pre or it was pre combine pre. Or post combine pre NFL draft. That's what I read. Yeah, it was. It was. I believe. Uh, apparently, it was pre um, pre combine. So I don't. You know that we all know. Porter Gustin doesn't take steroids. We've all seen him work in the weight room. I mean, if he took steroids, he would have been caught at USC. So they're just out to get USC once again. It's total bullshit. Yeah, I, 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 I think with this situation, um, and we've talked about it off the air. We've talked about it before we went on the air. With PED testing, it is so broad on what they consider a performance-enhancing drug. Everyone is quick to say, "Oh, you're taking PED. Oh, you're te- you're you're um you're cheating. You're taking a steroid. You're taking you're trying to get an advantage." No, because most things that you take, you get tested, and they say you took a PED. You took what? What did you take? You could take an inhaler and get popped for a PED. Right, it happens all the time in cycling. Cyclists use steroid cream on saddle sores because they're on the bike for hours and hours and hours, and they can get popped for that. But they're not taking it. To get an edge over the competition, they're taking it so they're not sitting in pain all day. Right. So it's, it's it, just stupid. It's like it, it's here's the thing. It's exactly like when you drink a let's say for example you drink a protein drink, right? Mm-hmm. You drink a protein drink. Most of us have had protein drinks before. You drink a protein drink to work out, like a pre-workout and stuff like that. You take a pre-workout. It's the common thing to do when you work out. Someone like Porter Gustin, who works out a lot, who was in the weight room and works out a lot, will tend to take stuff like that because it's to give you that extra boost of energy or it's to help you out with your workout. You take a, you drink a protein drink or you take a pre-workout. You get tested. You get popped for PED because you didn't and you didn't know it. That stuff is just common. They are so broad with what is a performance-enhancing drug that they don't give you a list of what you can't take. You just have to find out when you get suspended. That's bullshit, too. and, and, And you're right. And it's the unfortunate thing. You find out when you get suspended. Then you appeal the suspension. You gotta go through the appeal for the suspension, which it allows you to play during the appeal process. Then, then they go, you know what? 
Yeah, you are right. You know, you did take this, and it does, you know, we're just, forget the suspension ever You see how ridiculous that is? Because now it's like, look, I was right all along. You took, he took an Adderall. We don't know what it is. He could have a condition where you have to take Adderall. Like, it's, it, it's the craziest thing in the world. Um, but moving off of that, what, Round, I, I I have to ask, what round do you see a USC Trojan being taken? Like the first Trojan being taken off the board. What what round? It don't I have to see, be specifically a pick, but just a round. Yeah, I can see Chuma going second, third, latest fourth. I ha- I think Chuma. I have to agree with Chuma, and it's based off. Of I think I think second's gonna be pushing it, but I think third is his sweet spot. I think early third, late second round, it'll come. Though, because Chuma is still high up, he worked himself up on uh, up the uh, offensive lineman board. Though there's probably other better offensive linemen that will be taken in the. Uh, in the first or in the second round, I think the second round is where you're going to start seeing offensive linemen flying off the board late second round, mid to late second round, because certain positions such as at edge rusher or at edge at defensive tackle quarterback and um, maybe wide receiver, maybe you're going to see three offensive linemen taken in the first round, maybe four. I just think the the need is high, and when we get into that second round, that's when you'll start seeing offensive linemen fly off the board. So that's why I think Chuma can go can come off the board maybe late second round, earliest like you said, Dina, the, maybe the third round. Uh, for Chuma, fourth round, that's kind of pushing it. I don't think he falls any lower than maybe the mid-third round. I think Cam Smith goes fifth. I think Porter Gustin goes fifth. And I think I think Marshall I think Marshall and Tell Tell's going to end up getting drafted. But I think Marshall and Tell go fifth, sixth round. Yeah, I can see. I can see Cam going in the fourth. I think fifth is kind of low, but I'm biased. I um, yeah, I I I that's just what I see. I know people are gonna say, "Oh, that's very low. That's super low for them." But again, you gotta consider everything. You know what I mean? No. Right. You gotta consider everything. But that's how um that's how I see it at this rate. I do think now again, these guys will end up getting drafted. I, I do think that. It's just a matter of where. We're used to seeing guys from USC get taken early in the in the first, second round. At least the first round, but 
I think this is the year we're not going to see a USC player. I think which that'll be the first time in a while that no USC player is taken in the first round, right? Well, who was taken in um, not last year but the year before in twenty seventeen? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, twenty seventeen, Adori, Adori um. and Juju. No, Adori. No, Juju went Adori. like second or third. Yeah, Adori was taken in the first round. Adori was taken in the first round, and then That's in right. 2016, who was who was drafted in 2016 in the first round? I don't think USC had anybody drafted in the first round in 2016. Let me look. I don't. I don't think USC had anybody drafted in the um, first round in 2016. Though, though I might be, I, I may be wrong on that one. I could be wrong on that one, but I don't think anyone did. Nope, USC had nobody drafted in the first round in 2016. Sua Sua Cravens was drafted. In the, uh, in the second round. Um, 2015 was Leonard Williams and, and Nelson Aguilar. 2014, nobody was taken in the first round. Marquise Lee was taken in the second round. Um, I could have sworn he went first. Nobody was taken in the, nobody was taken in the first round in the 2013 draft. So yeah. There's that right there. There's that right there. So that explains it. So nobody's going to be taken in the first round. Chuma will likely be taken in the second round. So that will be the I, I think the latest somebody was taken was the second round in years. So that's saying a lot, but. This all ties in to, uh, to what also is coming out next. So Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports, they did a five-year study of, um, of programs that develop the be- or that best develop, uh, elite prospects. And this was interesting because before I start, before I even ask this, Dina, what are your, um, what are your thoughts on, or give me your top four of programs that develop, that, you know, that develop elite prospects? Um, Just give me a random four, any four. Well, I'm going to, I've already seen the list. So I'm gonna... I know you've seen the list, but I'm just saying off the top of your head, just, if you Alabama, had to pick it. Uh-huh. Um, Miami. Okay. Um, it's automatic to have Miami on there, but. Top four. Elgin, Miami, USC, obviously, but I'm biased. Yeah. And. LSU, I guess. Florida. 
Or that's, Florida. So, if you had to guess it, and you would, if you had to guess it, USC would be in the top four, and everybody would think that. That's just an automatic. So, 24-7 has it as Florida, Bama, or Florida, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Miami is in the outside, is in the top five. They're outside of the top four. Um, they're at, Miami's at five, LSU's at six, Ole Miss is seven, Florida State's eight, Texas A&M is nine, which makes sense, and Notre Dame is ten. Oh, Notre Dame. Um, and it, it, it I, I don't, I didn't really, I just skimmed through the article, but I guess this is since 2010, I, I, I want to say, because if you're going based off of 2000, then yeah. yeah oh, I was going all. Off, I was going all time. Oh, all time. Yeah, USC's in the top. USC's in the top four. Because Clemson didn't start being good until like. Twenty ten. Uh, yeah, until. Uh, well, I think it's since twenty ten. Honestly, I think that's how it is. It's since twenty ten. And how I think that's how the way they have it. And if you're going off of that, then it makes sense. And so, and so you scroll down, you have your top ten. Um, then you go into, you go into, they have a category called clear top four or a clear top four. Then they have the, that explains a lot programs. So right now, and when you look at it, Texas, who you thought would be higher on that list, Texas is 29th. Cal is 27th, Oregon is 26th, Michigan is 23rd, um, Virginia Tech's 24th, and Virginia Tech pans out NFL prospects like crazy, though recently it has, that hasn't been it. USC is 18th on this list, Washington's 11th, Georgia's 12th, Stanford's 13th, UCLA is 14th, Oklahoma's 15th, North Carolina's 16th, and Baylor's 17th. Um, and through the years since 2010, they said USC had 33.3% uh, drafted, but they have 48 top 24-7 players. But their development rating is at a 0.6. And I, a lot of people will sit there and say, oh, well, look at what Clay Helton's doing. I think it spans further back than Clay Helton. And this is where I'm going to pull the monkey off of Clay Helton's back, though he hasn't really earned it yet as of now. This is where we got to let give Clay Helton some leeway here. Because that just speaks of the incompetence of the USC football program the last few years with the coaching changes, the, the, right. yes, with, um, with Sark, Kiffin being fired on a tarmac, um, so many different things that happened with the USC football program. I think that played a part in player development, although USC in that span of time, has developed some outstanding pro players. Sam Darnold, as of now, um, Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, Juju Smith-Schuster, 
Robert Woods, Marquise Lee, Nelson Aguilar, um, Matt Khalil, guys like that who panned out Darrell Casey. They've panned out some um, some pretty good players. Uh, Tyron Smith, all those guys. It's just USC, when it comes to developing elite prospects, is not like the Pete Carroll era. Because during the Pete Carroll era, they were turning out elite guys like crazy. <laughs> like, you go to USC, you're getting drafted. Right. You go to USC, if you're a top prospect, you go to USC, you're getting drafted. That simple. That simple. But, I mean, it's just, uh, that's just what they have, honestly. And if you want to read the full article, just go to 24-7 Sports. Read the full article. You'll get a better understanding of it than, than we will. Uh, that, that's what we, that's where we're at with that. Speaking of, uh, talent, USC's, uh, quarterback situation has desperately changed. Uh, and Dina, I don't know if you want to go ahead and chime in on that. Let the people know what, what's going on with the quarterback situation and with, um, with Matt Fink. Yeah, so he's, he's broke last week, I think, was last week that he's entered the transfer portal, which isn't surprising. I mean, we all knew maybe at least one of them was going to transfer, whether it was Fink, Sears, um, or Sears. So, I mean, obviously that meant he was in a position to win a starting job. So I think I saw someone say that the pecking order right now was Daniels, Sears, Fink, and Slovis. So obviously Slovis moves up to number three. Um, what do you think about uh, about the whole thing with, with Fink wanting to transfer? I mean, was it surprising to you? Uh, what What are your thoughts on it? No, it wasn't surprising. I mean, I think everyone knew it was either going to be Fink or Sears that transferred. I think maybe people are only surprised because he stuck around last year when he didn't win the job. Um, but I'm not I'm I'm not shocked by it. Right, it's like at this rate you're not shocked, but you it, you knew one of the QBs was going to transfer. Right. And I think it was the given one of them was going to transfer. Matt Fink was the backup to uh, JT Daniels. Uh, Fink ended up playing. Uh, Fink ended up playing sporadically. So a lot of people don't know. Fink was the backup to. Um, Fink was the backup to Sam Darnold as a redshirt freshman. Fink was a backup to Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold was somewhat hurt, and everyone remember the Notre Dame game where he was where he was gimpy and he hurt himself. When Darnold was hurt, you saw Fink in the Notre Dame game come in. And USC was moving the ball pretty well, too, honestly. Um, and then he had that run against Oregon State and the blowout win against Oregon State at the Coliseum. The next year, he played, I think he played a series. I think he played, he played a series while JT Daniels went back into the locker room with the, uh, I think it was a hand injury. At Stanford, because I remember telling Dina that da- that Daniels or that that Fink was yeah. in the game, 
mm-hmm. and that there that nobody knew what happened to JT because everyone was like, "Where's JT at?" So, um, he was in there for a series, not even a series. He was in there for like a couple for a few snaps, and then and he went in, and then he went in in the blowout loss against Utah after Daniels got the concussion, and Fink got took a big hit against uh Fink took a big hit against Utah that broke his ribs and he continued the game we didn't find out till after the game that he broke his ribs and that led to um Jack to 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 Jack Sears being the starter for the Arizona State game so I think it was just the right that maybe Fink or after they um they met with the quarterbacks I think they met with the quarterbacks and basically they told Fink, hey, look, this is where we're at at quarterback. This is what it's looking like going into spring or going into the fall. And that was that. And he came up with, he made the decision to go, okay, well, I'm going to transfer because I want to play right away. You know, right. and he graduated. Here's the thing. Fink graduates in, in uh, July, according to him. I think in June or July. He graduates. He'll be a, a grad transfer, which means he can play immediately. He wants to play right away, unless he transferred to a FCS school. Now, if he transferred to a FCS school, he can play right away. Um, he wants to play. Fink, I think, if we're talking USC standards, I think Fink is not a starting quarterback to US to the USC standard, quote unquote. I don't think he's 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 that great to be. Um, I don't think he was going to be the starting quarterback with, because, given how, and in my opinion, and and saying that he he's not great to be the starting quarterback. That's disrespectful for me to say. Um, I I just think in spring ball he was just outperformed by. Jack by Jack Sears, Daniels, and then you had Keaton Slovis who was coming up, you know. Um, and so if he would have stayed, he would have ended up possibly being a second string or third string. Who knows? But if he does transfer now, he didn't close the book on coming back to USC and coming out of the portal because Greg Johnson did it where he's in the transfer portal. And he, um, he was in the transfer portal and then he came out. Right. So the door is not shut on that. It's not shut on that. He said it himself that he is not closing the door on returning, but at this rate, he's going to transfer. It's just a matter of where he transfers. So that is just that matter. I, I and, and given the fact, I think we'll see how that goes. Um, I think he's gonna wait till July. He's gonna complete his classes, wait till July, and then and then uh, go ahead and transfer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he picks. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anywhere right now that needs that desperately needs a starting quarterback that doesn't already have transfers already or 
grad transfers. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be certain places where he can go, and it'll help his situation. You know, it it just depends. It just depends on where he's looking to transfer to, and all of that. That I I think that just comes with um looking to see what's going on. And he'll be in by the time fall camp rolls around. He can compete. I mean, it just it, it, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I think one place to look at, and I always mention this. No, there's two places I think that can, uh, that I mentioned. I think it could go one of two ways. I keep an eye out on UNLV. Mm-hmm. I'll keep an eye out on UNLV. Because he can go, he can start at UNLV. Or Fresno State. It could be possible that he transfers to Fresno State and they play him week one. <laughs> that is all possible. That would be wild. I was thinking that. That is all possible. Where he transfers to Fresno State and now you got to prepare to play Matt Fink in Fresno State week one. Because they run a system that could work. I can see him at UNLV. I can see I can see UNLV too. I can see UNLV and I can see I can see UNLV. I can see Fresno State. Um I don't know where else, honestly. To be on to be all honest with you. I, I, I don't know. It could be possible you could go Arizona State. You know, it, it's it's all, I mean, there's already Yeah. Like three three guys. It, and then he'll Yeah. You don't want to go into a situation where you go there and then you're sitting you're a backup to the freshman quarterback there. Right. I mean it's other possibilities. Who who knows where he could go? I mean he, he could go anywhere. He could end up going I'm not I don't know about BYU. I don't know if he'll go to BYU. But or Hawaii. He could go to Hawaii. But we'll see. Um we'll keep an eye out on for you and the moment we hear something, uh we'll we'll keep everybody updated. Um but moving on to our last subject of the day, and this is going to be a heated one, and this is a well talked about one for the last nine to thirteen years, and that is Reggie Bush. There's been a lot of articles ever since um, Arash Markazi put yeah. out that article a couple days ago. I know you put one up. I saw Raina Troy put one up. Uh, I, uh, and, and, and they all say the Brooks. same thing. <laughs> and Sports by Brooks just um, and Sports by Brooks just came up with um, came out with an article. Or not an article, but he had a series of tweets in which he makes an interesting case. Um, I, I I'm silent somewhat because everybody and here I'll, I'll I'll share a little personal story here with everybody. I grew up in Los Angeles. I currently live in the Bay Area now. I grew up in Los Angeles watching USC football. I wasn't into it heavy. I vaguely remember games, 
but I do know they were there. And I didn't really start getting into college football until like 1999, 2000-ish. Like I knew it was college football there, but anyway, I didn't get into it until around that time. Uh, the, the, towards the end of the, of the, uh, Paul Hackett era. And I always tell Dina about the Paul Hackett era because it was the most painful years of USC football ever, <laughs> ever, ever. Like, it was, like, imagine living in a world where USC, for the last two, for the last three seasons, was last in the Pac-12, was was in the bottom half of the Pac-12, and lost to UCLA and Notre Dame consistently. Dina, I want you to imagine that alternate universe. I don't want to have nightmares. Where... Where USC was getting beat down by Notre Dame and UCLA. And UCLA were national title contenders. And Notre Dame was up there. And USC was on the bottom half of the back 10 of the conference. Was on the bottom half of the conference. And you were getting beat by Arizona, ASU, Washington. You were getting repeatedly beat by schools. You were struggling to beat UNLV. You struggled to make a bowl game, and if you made a bowl game, you were getting blown out by TCU, Utah, and and whoever else made a bowl game. Imagine living in the universe like that. Are you picturing it? Yeah, I'm just picturing this last season like a hundred times worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, think of a last season a hundred times worse. At least last season, UCLA wasn't competing for a national title. But imagine UCLA's competing for a, for a national title. Imagine uh, imagine UCLA competing for a national title and Notre Dame and UCLA whooping on you every single year, and you finish on the bottom half. If you so pick, basically we were we switched with UCLA. <laughs> yes, we switched with UC, what UCLA was in year when the years USC was dominating. That's what USC was. Congratulations. You are now a USC fan from 1996 <laughs> to, 2000, to 2000. You are a USC fan after McKay or after John Robinson. Excuse me. You are a USC fan after the John Robinson era the second time and before Pete Carroll. That's where it was. USC yes. was not in a great place. I was living in Oklahoma in the, before, when USC started its upstart. Uh, I was living in Oklahoma, and everybody was Oklahoma fans and, you know, and stuff like that. And for me growing up, when people ask you, where do you want to go to college at? Where do you want to go to school at? People ask you, where do you want to go to school at? And I told people, you know, oh, I want to go to, um, I want to, I want to go to Oklahoma State. I want to go to UNLV. I want to go to North Carolina. These were schools I wanted to go to. I want to, and believe it or not, UCLA was on a school, of, a list of schools I wanted to go to. That's disgusting. And when I was playing basketball, UCLA was the basketball school. And so you, I looked at UCLA more for basketball growing up as a kid. 
in comes Pete Carroll, Matt Liner, and Reggie Bush. When Reggie, when those three, when Ed and Lindell White, because Lindell White was also a huge part of my childhood, and I don't feel he gets the respect that he deserves as a backup rushing for a thousand yards. During that time, I became like I grew ecstatic in the USC. And it caught my eye. And the more I looked at that, the more and the more I was on USC's campus, the more I was, um, the more I was, I wanted to go to USC. And then you, I wanted to go to USC because I wanted to be around that because the energy on campus at USC at the time. And if you've been during the Pete Carroll era, the energy at USC was so different. The energy around Los Angeles was so different. And watching Reggie Bush and seeing him do all the things that he wanted to do, I was sold. Right. I was sold. Gosh, that would have been, that would have been wild being a student in the early 2000s. And, and the one game, and I put up an Instagram post of explaining this, and everybody chimed in on this. And everyone talked about it. And I had somebody mention the Fresno State game. The game that always referenced is the Fresno State game. The Fresno State game is the game that people always reference because it was unheard of for a player to do what Reggie Bush did, and we were never see we've never seen it before, and we have never seen it since. I have never seen a player outgame a whole team by himself in one game. I've never seen a player outgame a whole team by himself. By himself. I've never seen it. You never will see it from a player outgame a team by himself. And and I've never seen a player well We've seen players hurdle players, but Reggie Bush was the only player you saw who would run through you, run around you, and jump over you. He did everything short but run under you because it, it's not legal to run under somebody. <laughs> but he, he did everything short of that. And everybody's seen highlights of it. I remember the highlight against UCLA in 2005 where he jumped over a player. He did the Superman hurdle. He jumped over two players actually in one game. And then the UCLA game the year before that where he did a front flip into the, uh, into the end zone. He did a somersault into the end zone. He did a somersault into the end zone, which got him a penalty, which was stupid, but everybody know, but, the thing about it is then the sanctions come down. So this is where mm-hmm. we get into the nitty gritty. Uh, the sanctions come down where the NCAA said that Reggie Bush took improper benefits and they pegged USC for should have knowing what was going on. A lot of people have misconceptions of this whole thing of that. Oh, USC paid Reggie Bush. USC gave him money. He cheated. That was not the case. No USC booster was involved. If you look at the other scandals that went down, 
boosters of that school was involved. USC was not involved in any way. USC got pegged because they should have known what was going on. And the whole thing around that was, and and this is where everything gets kind of hazy. People say, well, Reggie Bush took something. Reggie Bush didn't take anything. Reggie Bush family was the one that was given improper benefits. And they pegged USC for should have knowing. And the fact that it was his parents, everything, they it made Reggie Bush ineligible. It, yeah, they, they deemed Reggie Bush as an ineligible player. And because of that, USC lost 30 scholarships, banned from bowl, had a two-year bowl ban, was on probation. Um, what was the other penalty? Oh, they had to permanently disassociate themselves from Reggie Bush, which really it's unheard of or the NCAA to not do a permanent, uh, a permanent disassociation of a player, which means USC had to take out his Heisman, Take his jersey out, erase Reggie Bush from from the uh, um, the record books. Oh, it's, by a, the- it's just totally oh, unnecessary. Even if he did personally take something, even if he did, the whole thing is so like it's just it's just so stupid. Like when you t- I did a I did a um. My senior year at USC, I did a, it was an English class, and I forget what the topic was. I think, like, it was supposed to be, like, an argument paper or PowerPoint or, because it was a PowerPoint. Um, and I, and I, and I did it on Reggie Bush's scandal compared to Penn State. Now, I know everyone, Penn State's criminal scandals, it's not the same. Um, it's, another funny thing is that someone on Twitter had the audacity to say that Reggie Bush's thing was a criminal scandal no it's not it was, criminal it's I'll criminal you, it's, it's let, a criminal investigate it's a criminal scandal when the ncaa doesn't get involved and they let the fbi get involved just like with I'll, Penn state I'll, because, um, I'll because the ncaa that. originally I'll wanted let, to sanction penn state yeah. and then they with, withdrew it because because it was a criminal investigation not a collegiate you know intercollegiate investigation I'm so glad you brought up criminal, and we're gonna get into why I think why we think Reggie Bush should be in, involved. But this is how ludicrous this whole thing is, um, because it's been nine years since those sanctions dropped. I think it was around this time. That's why. First of all, another thing. That's why we haven't heard and probably won't hear about sanctions coming to the schools who whose parents of the athletes bribe their way in because it's a criminal investigation. It's not an intercollegiate. It's not, it's not like a, an athlete took money thing. It's, it's criminal. Right. That's why there's no sanctions. Well, here, well, here's something that we have to bring up and, and I have to bring up because I'm glad you brought up. Um, Cause I'm glad you brought this up. I'm very glad you brought this up actually. I go back as far as 2002, and if nobody knows what I'm talking about with 2002, the, um, how could I put this, the Chris Webber situation, 
and his relationship with the with the Michigan booster whose name I forgot. And Chris Webber lied on a federal grand jury about his relationship with the Michigan booster. Lied to federal grand jury that he didn't take, that he has no relationship with this guy, that he didn't take money from this guy. And it comes to find out he took about 38000 And he took 38000 from this guy. And that he knew this guy since he was at Michigan, since beforehand. Since before he was at Michigan. And the NCAA forced Michigan to permanently to or not permanently but to disassociate themselves from Chris Webber for 10 years. Michigan just brought back they just brought back Chris Webber this past season. Jim Harbaugh invited him to be an honorary captain before they played Penn State. Reggie Bush can't be around the USC football program. Now, it doesn't, there's nothing said that he can't go on campus. That's, I think, is a USC thing, which is why I think it's kind of skewed right now because, and, um, and Mazar, and Markazi's, um, and Markazi's article, it said that you, he, he, when he interviewed Tim Tesalone, Tesalone said that they, Attempted to, they attempted to appeal it to get a timeline on this thing so they can bring back Reggie Bush to the program. And the NCAA denied them several times. But that's just to bring him on, that's just to bring him around the program or something like that. I, I'm not 100% sure how this goes. I just know the NCAA usually is anywhere between one to ten years. This makes everything very ridiculous now because with Reggie Bush, it's permanent. It's permanent. So that's how you know, like, this is how I know, like, all of this was was personal and that they were out to get him. Because there's even emails. There's emails about it. How is it that Chris Weber? Is allowed to come back, and this is and that's something nobody brought up. How is it that Chris Weber was allowed to come back after ten years, but Reggie Bush to this day is still permanently banned, and it's been nine years. This man is a reason why a lot of a lot of players, a lot of kids these days try to emulate this guy, try to emulate Reggie Bush, a Dory Jackson. Looks up to Reggie Bush. Joe McKnight, the late Joe McKnight, said Reggie Bush was a reason why he went to USC. And it's extremely telling when literally I have not come across a single fan who hates or blames Reggie Bush for the sanctions that followed. Well, it Nobody. Used to be, Nobody. It, it used to be that way, actually. There were actually people that blamed Reggie Bush. But the more the facts started coming out, the more people went, you know what? This wasn't Reggie Bush's fault to begin with, which Even is what a lot of people were saying. No one blames him. No one hates him. They both love. They all love him both. Like that's the thing. 
that's the thing about it. Everybody sits there and everybody sits there and well not everybody, but people have misconceptions of this whole thing. I know UCLA fans who went who said, you know what, the Reggie Bush thing was messed up because that was the NCAA out trying to get him. There's college football fans that want Reggie Bush to come back to USC because there's many college football fans, whether you are a USC fan or not. You sat there, you watched Reggie Bush, and you went, wow. Mm -hmm. Though he didn't do this in the NFL, but you went, wow. And you were, um, and you were dazed by that. Like, people my age, I, I'm 28 years old. I was, I was the age of my current basketball players, which is 17, which, not 17, excuse me, 14 to 15 years old when Reggie Bush was doing his thing at USC. We all tried to do it. I tried to do a somersault after I scored playing pickup football with friends. I wore a Reggie Bush. So my junior year, we used to play we used to play blacktop football. We used to play two-hand touch football at lunchtime. And I wore one one day at school, I wore a Reggie Bush USC, the USC Reggie Bush Rose Bowl jersey that I have that was given to me as a gift. I wore that and I tried to do everything Reggie Bush did on concrete except I slipped because there was no grip to my shoes. We all try to do do things like that. To this day, players try to emulate Reggie Bush's style. It was just hard to do. The NCAA, given and there's so many more things that's going wrong with college with college athletics these days. The amateurism, paying player or the players having their likeness used, and the, and, and players fighting back. The corruption scandal in college basketball right now. There's a lot more things that has happened. And, um, there's a lot more things that has happened in college sports and in, in academics. There's a lot more things that are going, that's going wrong right now than the freaking Reggie Bush scandal. Right. That was minor. Cam Newton's scandal was essentially the same thing. And Cam Newton got a slap on the wrist. Well, it wasn't Cam Newton that did it. Excuse me. The Auburn and Mississippi State got a slap on the wrist. A slap on the wrist. Louisiana, Louisiana has hookers running around campus and... Uh, Louisiana had ugh. Louisiana had a prostitute issue with recruiting and prostitute soliciting, and nothing was done about that. Well, a minor slap on the wrist. I shouldn't have said the hooker thing. Excuse me. It's just stupid because what is banning Reggie Bush gonna do? What what's it gonna okay. stop? It's not the gonna same, stop anything. The same thing as vacating wins. What is vacating wins gonna do? What does vacating wins do? We knew the game happened. When they say, Oh, you gotta give back your 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 O four national championship, your BCS national championship, what does that do? 
We saw the game. We sat there and watched the game. You cannot, the NCAA cannot sit there and tell me I didn't see that game because I was in Korea at 6 in the morning watching that game. You cannot tell me what, you cannot sit there and say, what is vacating wins going to do? Oh, it didn't happen. Reggie Bush didn't push Matt Line. Then why are we still talking about it? Right. Why are we still talking about the Bush push game to year years later? There's a mention of the Bush push game. The Jules Shalele is still in there. They talk about that game at Heritage Hall. It's still in there to this day. USC just need to go ahead and 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 fight like just literally fight the NCAA on this because I know USC right now they're saying well we're gonna keep trying we're gonna keep trying that also depends on USC too I know Sports by Brooks said well they need to go ahead and just put his jersey and just bring him back on campus and honor him and everything and put his uniform and stuff back in there. But the thing about that, and this is going to be the cold-hearted thing, the NCAA is going to punish USC even more for it. So is it really worth that risk? You got to think about that. Because you're saying, oh, USC should just say forget it or, or screw it and just bring them on. But if you do that, the NCAA is going to punish you even more. They're going to punish the program. This time, they probably will disband the program like SMU. I don't think USC should go ahead and do it anyway, because now you're giving the NCAA a reason to, to shellac you right. again. You're, although the sanction and the probation is over, but don't give the NCAA a bigger reason to, to punish the USC program, because they're already looking they're already looking to, to punish USC already. Right. They're just looking for reasons. There has to be a way the NCAA got to go, you know what? We got bigger things going on than keeping Reggie Bush off campus. Why don't we go ahead and 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 let him be honored? Because it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It honestly makes no sense. Reggie Bush already apologized without admitting wrongdoing. I think somebody mentioned that the NCAA wants Reggie Bush to apologize and take responsibility for everything. I don't remember Chris Webber doing that. Now, mind you, I'm not jumping on Chris Webber because I'm not jumping on Chris Webber. But Chris Weber never did that. I'm gonna take the teenage route where with so and so isn't doing this, so why should I? Chris Weber didn't do it, so why should Reggie Bush? Why should Reggie Bush continuously be held off campus? Now Reggie Bush now is an is an analyst for Fox Sports uh, College Football. If you if he has to cover a USC game, how is that gonna go? What are you gonna do? Oh, you can't cover that. You got to get somebody else. They have. There has to be something where the NCAA goes. Look, Reggie Bush 
was all this in a bag of chips. This actually might make you some money, seeing you're all about money. It a- might actually make it might actually make you some money. Here's the thing. Let Reggie, let USC put Reggie Bush's pictures and everything up, all his accomplishments and everything. Let Reggie Bush come on campus. I think the reason why the NCAA is not doing it is because they know what's going to happen. If Reggie Bush were to help the USC program, if USC was to go in there and bring Reggie Bush back, USC is going, or Reggie Bush is going to help the USC football program big time. Big time. It that's what's gonna happen, and that's the um, and that's the unfortunate part of this whole thing. Is I think the NCAA, I think the NCAA knows this, and they don't want USC to be what USC was because I think the whole intent of the whole thing was to keep USC down. Right, obviously. Because there's no there's no concrete evidence of Reggie Bush taking anything. Where's the concrete evidence? And for anybody to say, well, there is concrete evidence, I want you to show me where in the NCAA violation report of that whole time, of that sanction, of, of, the, of that investigation, show me the documents in the investigation that show Reggie Bush took something. I want the concrete evidence that he took something, that he took something and it helped, and it helped him be a better player. If you can't find that for me, then there's no concrete evidence. If the NCAA don't have it, and if the NCAA, and if there's emails, there's emails showing because they went to court and there's emails that showed in court that the NCAA wanted to maliciously punish USC because they wanted to put USC down. There is emails in court. It is like the Oklahoma City and Seattle Supersonics thing where it was premeditated that they wanted to move Seattle, the Seattle Supersonics, to Oklahoma City, and there were emails between the commissioner, the guy who bought the team, and somebody else, and they were going and they had a grand plan of doing this. And you can and if you want to debate me on this, you can debate me on this. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt A. Lowry on Twitter. And you can debate me with this because I have facts. Facts that's already in the public. That proves my point. Bring free Reggie free Reginald Alfred Bush. I'll let Dina go ahead and, and say whatever she got to say. I think you said it all. <laughs> I, 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 I'm the bottom, and it's funny, it's so funny that the NCAA out to get USC, they think they're so righteous over above everything and doing doing what they do for the good of everybody, yada, 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 and yet they still allow... There's no outrage for USC having OJ stuff. It's it's just so it's so funny. Like we have to take out a Heisman from a guy that didn't it, take anything. 
But we voluntarily gave it back, sadly, but he didn't even, he didn't even, like, that's the thing. He's being punished for something that he did, that his stepdad did. Right. That's like somebody, you know, that's like somebody punishing you. Say, for example, if your mom took something and you took, and you have to face jail time for it. For something that right. she did. And you got punished for it and your job got punished for it. Your job got sanctioned and all that or whatever. So um, stupid. It is. It, it is. And it's and it, honestly, I have to say it is a travesty that you that one of that the greatest college football player that we've ever seen. And save it if you're gonna bring up Barry Sanders or 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 new or um I don't know somebody who played for Army in the 1949. Save it, save it. Reggie Bush is the greatest. And no, Tim Tebow does not compare. Reggie Bush is the greatest college football player that we've ever seen. Name a team. Name a player that outrushed that outgained a team. In every aspect of the game, of every aspect in receiving, kick, punt, rushing, everything short of passing, and defensively, and defensively. I'm just saying, free Reginald Arthur Bush. Free Reggie Bush at this rate because number – Fans still wear number five. People still talk about it to this day, and it's been 13 years since he's played. That's just my point. There's just... It's just so... It's so stupid, not because... You know... And I'm not saying it's stupid because, oh, I don't like the outcome, so I think it's stupid. It's stupid because it's literally their their punishment, their quote-unquote findings is so idiotic. Like, and, the other, so- and the other things that happen with it, too. And I bring this up, too, as well. It's like the NCAA – it's like the NCAA with – um. With Miami. Because remember, Miami in the 90s, they were trying to find every reason to bring Miami down in the 90s. I remember that. They came up with every rule in the book to limit Miami, to stop Miami from doing things. And then they punished Miami short of the death penalty at the time. That's just, if you're not one, if you're not, if you're the school that's not supposed to do something, they're going to find a way to put, to put you down. It's that simple. That's that's how I uh that's how I see it. But other than that, um I think that is that is all for us. Uh, please follow us on 
on Twitter at uh, C Chronicles SBN. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matt A. Lowry. You can follow me at Always Compete. And you can uh, listen to us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. I said it right. <laughs> you did. Um, and also you can listen to us on Megaphone. And yeah, again, read all the articles from Reign of Troy, from, from, from us, or, um, from C Chronicles on the Reggie Bush thing, the LA Time, because at this point, and I speak to USC fans on this, at this point, we need to, we need to send a message to the NCAA that Reggie Bush needs to be brought back. This has to be fan driven. No, this don't mean do a GoFundMe. This don't mean do a petition where the NCAA is not going to read it. You're going to have to take the social <laughs> media. You're going to have to take the social media and start working on this. Because petitions and, and GoFundMe's don't work here. Let's get to it, people. Until then, fight on. Fight on. <laughs>